All right, you gave me perfectly everything good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy, DJ Cyclops, right here on His Cartel Radio. And we have another edition of After the Music Stops, where we bring you the stories behind the music of your favorite independent and mainstream artists. And today we have a very special guest. Um, last name Wilson, but it's not the first name Charlie. We have <laughs> Mr. Omar Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, it's a blessing too at that last name Wilson because it just makes it sound good. Yeah. <laughs> so how you doing today? How you doing today? Man, blessed and highly favored as usual, man. I mean, just to be able to, you know, finally tell my story and be on a platform with professionals like yourself that finally get to understand how hard I've worked and I look forward to just giving so much music. It's a, it's a blessing. I can't, I have no complaints, my brother. Yes, yes, sir. So my I originally uh from Secret Garden. Okay. Um, I I you know I was in the uh DJ pools and I happened to come across the song and I was like, okay, how how are they gonna redo this? Because I've already heard like so many versions of that song. Mm-hmm. So you know, um when I heard it was you. You had Cisco, you had some Jogacy, you had H. I was like, okay, you know, and those were all like my favorite groups back in the 90s. Okay. So, you know, um, listening to it, I was like, okay, I like this. So now it's in rotation heavily. Um, <laughs> Our brother, thank you, kind. So, and then when I just heard the song, like you sent the fleet with the, um, um, you think you're lonely now? Oh, Bobby Womack, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, you know, I heard it. I was like, okay. And you know, my thing is a lot of people now in the uh, industry are redoing those classic songs. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because it's classic. It's a classic. Well, not just because of that, because Secret Garden did what hasn't been done for R&B and soul music in maybe a decade, which is reinvigorate people to want, to yearn, and to question why people were saying that like R&B is dead or it's, it's, it's gone. And remember that phase we was going through? Like, I don't even understand mm-hmm. what that I remember heavily. How do you eradicate a music that created all other music? Exactly. You know? So I mean I don't want to get too crazy deep in that, but that that in itself is 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 it was baffling to me. So Secret Garden did two things for me. It finally gave put the light on who I was and giving uh, uh, the 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 time for people to really take the time to listen and take off of kind of the the veil that people have for new artists or off their eyes and really listen objectively and take it in. And it took Secret Garden for people to really say, okay, this dude is someone viable. But what it also did is it reestablished the feeling that R&B has given, soul music has given people forever. And then as people started asking questions, why is it gone? And that's when I personally think, I started seeing the remixes there's, there's a bunch of super groups coming out now, and Secret Garden was that was that spark, man. So it's it's a blessing 
to be a part of the reinvigoration of the music that helped create all music. Nice, nice. And you speak of the super groups. You know, you have like groups dating back to LSG. And you have groups coming from like uh, TGT. You know, it, it, you know, those super groups, like you said, it was it was good. But I, OK, me personally, I love TG, TGT. I do. But the, the longevity as a group didn't last as long as I thought it was going to last. Okay. Um, and then far as like um, re, re kind of revamping R&B because like you said, for a while they did say it was dead. And me as a heavy, heavy listening of R&B, you know, um, growing up with my dad being a DJ as well and being yes. in a band, to where I was always adapted to R&B. That, that's like my first love. Like Fleet yeah. knows me by Mr. R&B. That, that's yeah. me. So, you know, um, like I said, when I'm hearing the songs that you putting out and it brings me back to my childhood, but giving me that twist of today with the people that I grew up listening to, like like I said, right. Drew Hill right. and the Jogacies and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it, it's a good feeling and you know um i commend you for that because you know it, it's giving a younger generation a, a sense of that love for r&b that i had back early 90s you know um because i was born 89 and okay. uh, so you know in the 90s you know r&b was that was it you know that was it. so that was it. I- Song called '96 on my album that that like talking about back in '96 how the uh, music was just that thing. Go ahead, you right? Yeah. So you know, um, it it was just far as like I said, you know, it had a little time span where it was just kind of like, uh, okay, it's R and B, but it's not that classic timeless R and B music that was right. out. Right. So now it's starting to come back to that. Um, timeless music that's actually coming out and I feel like Secret Garden if you think you're lonely now those two are going to be timeless because they're already timeless but we're putting in a different er era of music for as the generations so right 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 bridging them gaps you know what I mean that was that was always my objective anyway like if if you look at interviews I've done a decade ago I always believe that my one of my goals and my jobs was to bridge the gaps between the people that have seen and done it and understand and the ones that uh, are reaping the benefits off the power but really need to know where the respect lies to even shine their their star the brightest they can you know what I mean so the, and, and giving and putting a perspective on the music where it's it's still sharp it's edgy it feels brand new. The goosebumps uh, uh, jump up on your skin. The heart rate starts to move a little. But I wanted to make sure that I paid homage to the greats because to become great, you must learn from greatness. You know, exactly. so it's a fine line uh, uh, when it comes to creating, recreating, and trying to um, expound on a masterpiece. And mm-hmm. and Garden is actually the first single off of uh, a classics album that I'm going to be releasing real soon called Omar Wilson Sings the Classics 
Uh, the Bobby Womack record is the second single. And this album in general, uh, I believe, not only is going to bridge that gap even more and just and just strengthen the respect between the whatever the young R&B guy or the young rap cat that is out there making this bread. And, and really, like you said, just like how it's an honor for you to say someone that knows music and and is a second generation uh, uh, proficionado really of it because you grew up in it, you were birthed in it. To give me the accolade of that is it's like going to college for me because this is all I worked hard for. I mean, of course, you know, you want the, I want the, the the money and all the of the accolades that come along with it because we gotta live and I want to live on the highest level. But at the end of the day, it was always about the integrity and reestablishing the respect. Like, how dare someone say R&B is dead. What That doesn't even make sense. How, it, it, it's, something, it's, it's a sound. Sound is forever. And exactly. it's, it's the most powerful sound. So uh, it baffled me for a while that out of all these powerful individuals in this industry, nobody took that phrase as disrespect and uh, it's, like, it's, it's kind of like it's ludicrous. It's, it's, it's silly to even say something like that. That means all music is dead, if you're going to say that. Exactly. Exactly, you know, like no one would say it. I'm saying it now, and I'm saying it with not just words and rhetoric. I'm backing it up by paying homage to the individuals that are still the the legends of this music thing, and they're they're they're, they will live on for a reason, and it's because of the intent, the integrity, and what they put into their music. Like you know, we all want to live forever. That's how I'm, I'm gonna be able to live forever. Because as long as there's people, there'll be music. Exactly, exactly. So with Secret Garden, um, how was the process with that, you know, um, connecting with the artists that you had on there? Um, was it more uh, individual recording sessions or were y'all all in the studio at the same time? Or how, yeah. how was that? Well, well, initially when I had the idea for the song, um, I, I uh, consulted uh, my big homie, Lou Humphreys, which is, he's the owner of the label I'm signed to, BSC Recording, shout out to BSC, but he's also one of the producers uh, of Secret Garden. So mm -hmm. him and, and my bro, uh, Jazz Joyner, which also produced the record, uh, I, threw the, I threw Lou the idea, called him about it. Uh, the next morning, he told me, check my email, and the, and the track was in the email. It was in, was, was uh, he had sent to me, and I was like, dang, I just really had the idea, and we chopped it up for about an hour about it, but he said he was so inspired, they just went and went ahead and did the track, and of course, the track was what you hear now, and as amazing as it was, that's when my wheels started turning, and we started talking about, you know, who do you see on the record, and that was the process of, you know, getting all of these uh, uh, individuals that I hold in regard and, and respect as my peers, and it's an honor to have uh, them on the record because once again you learn from greatness to become great mm -hmm. uh, so I I had met uh, Raheem Devon in LA in 2019 I was nominated for the NAACP Image Award chopped it with him, exchanged numbers and uh, at that time it was, it was just about just working on some projects, him writing for me or whatever because I didn't even have the idea then but he was the first person I thought of, reached out to him, sent him the track you know he did what he, he did uh, and then uh, Sean Stockman, my publicist, uh, was Sean Stock Stockman's publicist. That how, that's how that came about. And then um, uh, Lou 
uh, Lou, big homie Lou knew Cisco's manager. So it was really in the midst of the pandemic and we there was no way for us to do it in one room. So ev everything was recorded in each person's studio. And then uh, Lou and Jazz and uh, also oh, Erica Kane, she's also on the label. They went through the process of meticulously fine uh, 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 tooth combing all of the vocals, the backgrounds, the embellishments, the, the breath, like e everything. So it was like a, a, a two and a half uh, month of putting together this puzzle to make sure that not only that it seamlessly fit correctly, but that each of these artists that I hold in high and high regard felt like they got their just due on the record and that we paid homage to the original being that it is uh, one of those songs that really you shouldn't even mess with if, if you don't have the ultimate way of making sure that you can do it the correct way and, and, and working all that out at, at one shot to make sure everybody is respected correctly. So it, it is a blessing that the record does seem like and sound like it was done in one room, but it was it was done in four corners of this world and brought together by my people. And they they did a phenomenal job of uh, of just making sure every artist uh, uh, got the best. They got the best of, of every person's performance. Nice, nice, nice. So you speak on the album classics that's coming out, right? Yes. Um, so. When it comes to the album that's going to be coming out, like, like I said, I, I love R&B. So, and I, I feel like, you know, those, those songs like that is called a kind of mirror of, mirror of the album. So what, what can we expect from the album and when can we expect the album? What you can expect from the album is something that they say is unobtainable. Like they say that there's nothing new under the sun. And I have created something that is new under the sun. I've done the research. I've looked around. I've asked, asked professionals. No one has taken, I believe I have seven, eight of the most legendary voices. And I mean, like no one sings Teddy Pendergrass. Mm. People don't sing David Ruffin. Mm. People don't sing Eddie Levert. Mm. People don't sing James Brown. Okay. You might get some Marvin Gaye. I got, I got some on that. I, I got Donnie Hathaway. I got Sam Cooke. Uh, uh, I'm missing somebody. Oh, oh, Bobby Womack. James Ingram. So you coming with some heavy hits. Okay. So, so, so this is a, this is a, 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 a album that's paying homage to the greats in a way where it's just like how you hear from Secret Garden and you've heard from If You Think You're Lonely. They are my interpretations of the greats, but I, and we, meaning BSE, we, we did everything that we could to exceed expectation on every song. 
So when you hear these records, first of all, no one's ever done it because no one's ever put all those individuals on one song and made one album mm -hmm. ever, ever. And then also no one's ever done it and made it so seamless that you would think it's these brothers doing it again, just with new production. So, so I believe it's going to be Grammy nominated. It's going to be critically acclaimed. It's groundbreaking. And no one has ever done it. So even right now with, with the deliberation that we're having with labels and where we're going to go and who we're going to partner or be a part of this, we're selling or we're partnering or we're offering a piece of something that's priceless. So how do you price something that's priceless? Like things in the Smithsonian are priceless. The Hope Diamond is priceless. How do you price that? Mm. What we've created is priceless. What I've done is priceless. You can't do it. No one can do it. No, no one has done it. Ask your, ask your father. Ask anybody you know. If anybody has, anybody has put Sam Cooke, Donnie Hathaway, Marvin Gaye, Eddie LaVert on one, on one album and put it together and put, and put it out and some of those songs. No one. People don't even sing a, 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 um, a Teddy Pendergrass. That's like, that's like a given. That's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, doing, like I said, I, I did uh, karaoke. I hosted a karaoke event last night and, you know, it was strictly R&B. Yes, but sir. I had some Teddy Pendergrass reggae set, you know, for somebody to sing, but nobody wanted to touch it. They can't. That's because they can't. Right. They can't. I, but I can. I'm, it's, like, it's like pulling Excalibur from the stone. Gotcha. And, 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 this is, and this is not rhetoric. This is reality. Like, there's nothing that I'm, I'm not embellishing. I'm not trying to sell it. Nothing. I, I, I can't wait till people push play and listen to this, listen to this interview. And then they have to, for themselves, be honest and say, damn. Not only was he right, but I, I didn't, I, I, there's no way, I could talk about it forever. Until you push play and you hear that album from beginning to end, then you'll, then you'll understand what I'm, I'm saying right now. But just to say that is almost, it's almost impossible for someone to say as a singer. There's no singer that's done that, ever. All right, so let, let me ask you this question. If you could take any of the greats that you've named um and uh of all time mm -hmm. and you could collab with them if you could who would it be it would be everybody that's on that album mm, okay every single one of them okay okay every single one of them maybe 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 throw you know throw throw Tupac and Biggie on a on a on a hook on me on you know on a rap on one of them joints or something just just to make it even more uh, iconically iconic. That's you know? nice. That yeah, that would be nice. That would be <laughs> nice. And you know, like I said, I'm I'm waiting for the album. So, like, whenever it drops, I'm make, I'm gonna make sure I get. It. And, oh, about three, about three weeks. About three weeks, I believe. Thanks. It's coming. Thanks. Coming real. All right. So, um, now far as uh. I know, you know, we're still kind of crazy out here with the pandemic, somewhat pandemic. I don't know what you want to call it. 
right now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> like putting putting Secret Garden out dead in the middle of the pandemic. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to say at the beginning of the pandemic because that, that yep, came yep, out. Yep. So um, how did that um, affect your process as far as marketing and far as the, the, you know, the promotion for it because, you know, you, I don't know, if, were you doing like um, radio interviews virtually or were you like still going out or what? I was to do like Ellen and all, uh, uh, Fallon and all the, the TV, everything was lined up. And then one by one, they just started getting knocked off. We were like, it was like at that time, so it was early before they, it was like even calibrated to do those, do the interviews in that way. It was like right when everybody was still panicking, figuring figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. So so we did, and then you know once the we did we did the other uh, real God bless we did all those all those uh, high level uh, shows virtually. So we we did, did a, a bunch, but what we got stifled is we still to this day have not performed that record together. And you know usually that's what even helps the record. Uh, skyrocket even more when you see all four of the entities in one room being uh, uh, performing it live so you know you can see the full understanding of it um so in that in that realm it was definitely challenging uh shooting the video that that took that was almost impossible again because by by the time we were geared up to shoot the video we were like dead smack in the middle of the pandemic like you know we had to get tested, like we had to get rapid tests before we went into the into the venue. Like it was that type of vibe. Everybody, no one could be unvaccinated. Like it was like some top secret, high level, the uh, 007 move we pulled off. Even getting that done in that time frame, so so that even added to the level of difficulty. But you know, great, great uh, risk, no risk, no reward, and from all of those almost impossible obstacles that we had in front of us, including even doing, just doing the record in itself is, was almost impossible. I believe it was just destined to be that way. I finally needed a supernova type thing for the world to finally know who Omar Wilson is. And, you know, in, in a, in a indivert way, the pandemic had everybody sitting down and, really kind of doing nothing where they finally slowed down enough to pay it to, to give it enough time to pay attention to the so-called new guy. And, and now the, the, uh, the attention and the awareness and the respect, I mean, especially with you guys, you know, the fleet DJs, I, I definitely honor and respect y'all for just, you know, riding and being a part of my upward motion. Cause it's going to be an amazing year. You know, the stock's raising with Omar Wilson every day. I think they just got the uh, um, uh, the D DRT charts. I'm at like 100, only been on that for like two, three days. Things are going phenomenal, phenomenal with the numbers. It's just an amazing time, man. So I definitely appreciate y'all. Nice, nice. So you said um, letting the world know who Omar Wilson is. Mm -hmm. right? So... Let's piggyback off of that. Okay. Who who is Omar Wilson 
really like for those who don't know who Omar Wilson is who is he how did he become the Omar Wilson that we're hearing today Man, Omar Wilson is what dreams are made of Omar Wilson is the good the bad and the ugly Omar Wilson is survival Omar Wilson is like any other person out there that has a belief in themselves that can sustain and maintain through the storm. Omar Wilson is no different than anybody else out there because we all have the ability to be megastars, but you have to go through the process and go through that gauntlet and, and, and fully commit yourself to understand that without, with, without the struggle, there is no victory. Omar Wilson is your, your, your best homeboy, might be your brother, you know what I mean? For the ladies, he might be your lover, you know what I'm saying? Omar yeah. Wilson is everything we all are, man, survival, you know what I mean? So I, I, it's like I call it the Clark Kent Superman theory because we look at Clark Kent and we look at Superman and they're the same person, mm-hmm. but it, Superman showing people that he's no different than anybody else. But you can still be, you can still have powers if you believe in yourself. So when, so as I, as I excel, as I make it, as I reach the, to the top of this music industry and, and achieve A-list superstardom, it's for so many people, man. You know what I mean? From the people that have stuck by me and believed in me through my darkest days and through this journey, which has been probably I believe one of the longest in the, in, in the music industry when it comes to achieving success to the people that just prayed and hoped and were mad every time I would make it through a situation and just hate it for no reason other than they don't like themselves. You know what I mean? So this is, this is an epiphany for everyone in one way, shape or form. For the ones that believe, it's confirmation that no matter how long it takes, if you stay diligent, you have that self-love. Of course, keep God first. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. But you got to self through this. Got to love yourself through the storm, man. Yeah. To, the pe- to the people that don't believe, and it's not because they really hate me or they hating on me. They just don't believe in themselves. They don't know how to figure it out. So they just get mad at everybody that does. So that's who Omar Wilson is. I know I kind of made it real uh, big, but Omar Wilson is is us. Omar Wilson is survival. That's who I am. Nice, nice, nice. So for those who don't know, how long have you actually been in the industry? Uh, I started singing at six. Some of my first solo at seven, but, you know, that was church. Um, At 17, I... Uh, I was a part of a rap group. I, I was in a rap group called the Law Souls, which was a, a consisted of three of my cousins. Mm-hmm. But they had a we had a um, an album out. Man, that was like nineteen ninety six seven, and it was on major uh, label H Bond International, and it was distributed uh, 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 through them. So that was my first initial spark. But as a singer, I started really singing professionally and like. 2001 and started performing at numerous showcases in New York City. Uh, everything from the Bronx to New Jersey, I, you name it. I started out last, ended up winning numerous awards uh, in the city. That's kind of where I cut my, my teeth on who Omar Wilson is. That's where I would, 
I would write songs and go to showcases and perform. It'll be a song I would write, write and record in my studio, and I would go and record it that, go and perform it that night just to see the crowd's reaction. And of course, you know, New York is the most vicious crowd on the planet, but mm-hmm. once you have something viable, they also show that love. That's why I, I love the city for what it is. It's like, it's like the breeding ground for a Navy SEAL, you know what I'm saying? So, so I'm also a three-time Apollo winner, you know, so that's, that was really, you know, where I started. So I say about 2001 was really the professional journey as a singer, songwriter, and true live performer. Oh, and that's who I am as well. Gotcha. Now you said Apollo. I feel like Apollo is like one of the toughest crowds ever. I haven't been there. I I don't know personally, but I feel that's how I feel. Like that is like the toughest crowd ever. Ever. So how was that experience? And you said you won it three times. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, the experience is like going to Mecca. It's like graduating from an Ivy League college, man. That's you know what I mean. Like all these shows that we have, the Voice, the View. I mean, uh, 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 what's all of like the, the singing American program, Idol, and all that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the Apollo, man. That's where that came from. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, should have got a patent for that, but yeah. it's still still not as rigorous a training because in all those places, yeah, you got the judges and whatever they knock you off, but at the Apollo. The objective is if we even remotely smell, you might not even be that good, but you better believe in yourself. That's 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 the nucleus of what I got from it, because there was people that could sing great, but still, without if they if they smell if they smelled it, wait a minute, I don't, I don't see no cop, something ain't right. They're gonna go. They're gonna get you. Now, inadvertently, if they see you giving your all and you're doing your best, you might still get through. It's, 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 a, it's a weird uh, 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 dynamic, man, the way, it, the way it works. But it's all, it's all built in love and making the best out of who you are. Like, they'll even tell you, like, when you first get there, to get booed off the Apollo is, a, is an honor. You know what I mean? Lauren Hill was booed off the Apollo. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 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 So, so, so it's an experience, man. Experience. Like with that, you know, um, I'm an artist as well. I do gospel rap. So I do gospel rap. Oh, we appreciate you. We need you. So, you know, growing up, you know, I used to watch Apollo all the time. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do Apollo. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I, I never did it. I never did. I it, I don't think it was more so the confidence. I think it was just more so. I don't know if it was like well, maybe it was a confidence because I was like, "Am I ready for that?" It's like, all it's all confidence, my brother. Like, like I said, God first. That's a given. We already know. Without mm-hmm. Him, self love. Self love is the most intricate thing to get you through everything. Self-love, when I had no one but just me and God, and everybody turned their back, left me for dead, it was funny to see me struggle, happy to see things not working, the only person that I could turn to, like I said, first and foremost, God, but myself. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, who who am I? Do 
do these people determine who I am? Or do I determine who I am? Who, who am I really trying to live up to? Like you said, like you just said, I don't know if I'm ready. Ready for who? And, and it's funny because at the Apollo, I remember Miss Kathy is her name. She's like the lady that prepares you for your whole experience. That's who she was then. Shout out to Miss Kathy. I remember I was sitting at the tip of the stage. <laughs> and mind you, a little girl had just went on before me. This is my first, my first night. Mm-hmm. Little girl before me, she had to be like about 12. Yo, man, by those vicious, they booed her off. She come back crying. I'm, so I'm like, so they just booed the 12-year-old girl. I'm finished. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, at the end of the day, I'll never forget this. I'm looking at, I'm looking past the little the red velvet uh curtain. Like, Damn, it's packed out there. She like, at the end of the day, it's just you and God. You make him proud, he'll make them clap. Mm. That's the night, that's the night, that's the first night I went out and won. You know what I mean? And I know I probably I wasn't the best singer at that time. I was singing Donnie Hathaway. Uh um, I was singing um a song for you, Donnie Hathaway. Mm. And and I didn't even really know it. Like the, even the back of backstory on that was crazy. Like I <laughs> I mean when I showed up at the Apollo, because I had auditioned for it prior and they didn't pick me. And then I was performing in showcases in New York and uh, Maria Davis, Maria Davis was like one of the most prominent uh, uh, promoters out there for different showcases for independent artists. So, so, and I always frequented her showcases. So she had called me out the blue and it was like, yo, they're looking for a singer um, to fill this slot because, you know, it's a certain show they were looking for, but you could only sing these songs. She gave me three songs and one of them was a song for you. So, at that time, I wasn't really that good at learning and retaining songs. So I took it serious, but didn't really take it super serious. I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'll, and then, and then it, 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 it was only like a week, like a week, two weeks I had. So of course I got down to like the third day of, uh, before I had to uh, be there and try to start learning it. So I ended up going to the, uh, not the audition because we was already in, on the, the, the amateur night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got to get to be there at six in the morning. We all sitting and uh, in the Apollo, right in front of the stage, like in the, the first like three, four rows, like all the contestants. And I had a, a printout of a song for you on paper. I'm studying that, been studying for the last few days. I brought it with me. I gets up on stage and during the rehearsal and sings it with the paper. And Miss Hurley, Miss Hurley, at that time was the lady running the Apollo. Uh, comes up on stage, stops Ray Chu and the crew because they was back backing me. She was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "No, I'm singing a song." And and she went crazy. She was like, "You're not gonna sing this song with no paper. This is Donny Hathaway." For of course, Donny Hathaway sung there as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So she she, she uh, had them keep going with somebody else. Took me downstairs in like the like the basement of the Apollo and made me sing that song for an hour until I got it right. I'll never forget that. And I kept messing up, kept messing up. And the version that I learned was Donnie Hathaway's A Song For You Live, which is a, which inflection-wise is a little different than the original version. So when I'm singing a different different vibe, she's like, she was, 
getting frustrated because she didn't know that verse. She's like, what are you? But she was like, whatever. If it makes you feel, if you're comfortable with it and it don't sound bad, it's just that uh, she knows the original version. Yeah, yeah. So I sung it, ended up winning that thing. But like I said, to, the, to, to this day, the Apollo, man, there is, the, no matter what I've done and where, and I've been a lot of places, uh, performed in front of a lot of people, a lot of powerful people. But I, if it wasn't for that training, that training just, it, it does something to you. Like I said, it's like going to, it's like going to an Ivy League college or becoming a Navy SEAL, man. You know when you come out of that environment, you have a confidence, back to the self-love, you have a piece of self-love that you can use for anything, not just performing and singing, just for life in general. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, basically, all your hard work really kind of surfaced at the at the Apollo because of the the training, like you said, the training that you got there. You know, um, it was more so um, a a life lesson at the same time. Far as you know, um, from like you said, different people's aspect aspects of how they felt about certain situations, but it helped you to build to the person that you are today. Correct. And and I was performing in showcases throughout the city from 2001 to 2009. I was mm-hmm. I was tearing the city up. And at that time, coming from the rap group, see how I started singing again is I sung in the church, seven to 14, 15, I started running the streets, doing my little whatever, my little one-two, being my knucklehead. Joined the rap group. I had my, my first child when I was 17, which which kind of changed my perspective a lot from some of the wild stuff I was doing in the street. Then I knew I had to do something for my daughter, you know what I mean? And that's when I, that's when joining the rap group really became prevalent. And in the midst of the rap group, we were living in Atlanta, but moved back to Connecticut. And we started performing in New York and I would write the hooks. So I start, I would start, I would sing the hooks during our rap set and people would start come come to me and ask me if I sung. And at that time, I was like, nah, I don't really sing. You know what I mean? I, I just do the hooks. Because I was, you know, I was in a mind state where I was like, man, singing is soft. I, you know what I mean? I, I was in my rap knucklehead mind. And you know, I just, I was singing the hooks because I could do it. Yeah. And time and time again, people would be like, no, man, your voice, you got a voice. So I ended up writing my first songs over rap beats. I think my first joint was like a Nas beat. And I had written probably about 20, 30 songs over rap beats and came to the rap group and asked them to allow me to sing one song with our rap set. So it would take one song out of our set. Of course they did because they were my cousins. We were our first cousins. And I was the youngest. You know what I mean? So they was looking for, out for me anyway. And I started singing one song and then that's when it, it started taking off. People were like, yo, man, it's the singing, the singing. So then the rap group came to me, cousin and was like, we're going to disband the group and we want you to sing. We're going to push you. And I'm like, nah, stop playing. It's not that big of a deal. I just, you know what I mean? They're like, no, no. You, got, you don't understand what you have. And that was another piece of my power that I have where I was like, yo, I can't be stopped. No, nothing can stop me. Look who, who gives up their dream to See somebody else make it. How unselfish is that? So, so, so you know what I mean. So, so I started singing 
at rap venues all throughout the city because I didn't know any R&B spots. So I'd be the only dude in Red Hook, Brooklyn uh, 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 at a rap showcase. It's thousand people in there, everybody gooned out, throwing they set, doing whatever they doing, and I get up and start singing. But I was singing about what they was rapping about. So that's how I started making my name in the city. You know what I mean? And and it just started, I started winning. Then I started going from, going to showcase. I, I would be working in Connecticut. I would do my little eight, whatever, eight hours. We would go to the city. I would have one show. Then I would hear about another show. Let's say I'm doing something in the Bronx. I hear about something going down in Manhattan. I go to Manhattan. I go to Manhattan, make some connections there. Uh, uh, oh, well, they got a show over here uh, in Soho. I go to Soho. And, and we would do that every night. It was sometimes I was doing 15, 20 shows a week, paying some most of the time to get on stage, never getting paid, ever. Just going because I knew I loved it and I was making the connections and I would use all my day job money that I had left to keep us moving or keep me moving. And, that, and, and then once I started gaining polarity and people started knowing me, I had a song called Mr. Survival. Mm-hmm. And I had another song called The Good Life. And those are the two songs that I really started being known for in the city. And I went from nobody knowing me and me going on last when all the ARs were leaving. And you know what I mean? To I'm walking in, I walk in, they're like, oh, they go that Mr. Survival dude. They go that dude with that voice. And then I started winning. I started winning showcases, winning awards. This is before uh, the Apollo, winning underground music awards, winning all these, all everything you could think of to win, I was winning them. As a, as a singer. And then the Apollo came. So it was all a progression, man. It's, it's, it's been a journey and a half. Gotcha. Now you said something that I've, uh, I've had a conversation with quite a few artists uh, about was with the showcases where you're paying to perform and you're not getting paid. And you know, so 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 some of these artists that I talked to lately, um, they feel like off bat if like nobody knows them, but off bat they should be getting paid, and we they shouldn't have to pay. Well, they out of their mind. How about they out of their mind? And, how, and about, you, how, about, how about coming from an artist that had to you had, had to show all types of human? Yo, there was times, man. Yo. I paid to get on stage numerous times. And don't get me wrong, I ain't no sucker. Going last, people leaving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only four people there left. And our been left. Like these, the the the, the I, I don't I don't know who you, like these. I don't know if it's new cats or just people in general, but the entitlement is crazy. Are, are you? Who are you? Mm-hmm. Why somebody gotta care? Why somebody even gotta care about me right now after everything I done did? So you think they gotta care about you? Your objective is to make them care, not to wonder why you're not getting for doing what, man. So, so that that's that's crazy. That mind state will destroy you. You'll never have a career. Exactly. It's like, oh, you. So go keep on thinking that day. Have a nice day. <laughs> and you know it, it I, you know I used to um not I, I didn't care about you know paying for the the time slots and whatnot but 
um, my thing when I first started, I was like, dang, well, everybody's gone. Like, it was either I was getting on, like, at the very front of the showcase where, you know, people still not there yet. And then you have the showcases where you're at the very end, like you said, when everybody's gone. So, I tell you, I did, I, I, I ran the whole game, and I ran it in New York City. There is no bigger hustle. And you know, I was coming through, you be thinking, hey, the top dude at Rockefeller, it's the, it's the janitor. It's the, it's the, it's the male, the male, he just got, but he got the Rock Nation shirt on. So you going crazy, but, but that's part of the process. That's part of, that's part of the love, man. That's part of, mm-hmm. I ain't saying be no fool and spend thousands of thousands of dollars just doing whatever, but it's part of that putting the man hours in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your energy. Mm-hmm. And I and, and to and to let everybody know I did it. I did it all for years. Research it. Go, you can go, you can Google Omar Wilson, 2001, New York City. You'll see me performing with braids. I had cornrows when I first started. I'm bald headed now. I went from braids to a Caesar to bald head. Still, still killing them. But but it was that rigorous training that has got me to the point where I could say that I've created something that's, that is new under the sun. I, I have something that's a groundbreaking achievement. Before anybody even says it, I'm telling you right now, it's multi-platinum, it's going to win Grammys, and people are going to be talking about this album, Omar Wilson Sings the Classics, forever. And I'm not saying that out of arrogance. The Samurai says you can only fight the way you train. So if you train to be a Samurai, Navy SEAL, a nuclear physicist, an A-list artist, you will be. And I've trained that way, therefore I know I am. It, it, it's, it's, it's inevitable now. Now I'm just waiting for the people to hear it. But it all goes back to that self-love and putting that work in and not thinking that someone owes you anything. Only person that owes you something is you. Yep, yep, yep. So like, you know, um, doing my research and, uh, you know, uh, I'm seeing the, the um, Black Frank Sinatra. The Black Sinatra. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm hearing you today and I'm hearing the, the your mind, your mindset of everything. And I see why it's the Black Sinatra because, you know, <laughs> you're, you know, you're thinking of a bigger picture than just yourself. Yes, sir. The biggest picture, because it's not—it never was about me. Mm-hmm. See, see the difference between me. And I can't speak for other artists or whoever they are, but just my interpretation of what I've seen is where your power comes from. See, I—I I never cared about being no artist. I just wanted to give my daughter the best, fair, the best unfair financial advantage. Period. And God gave me this voice. So I said, okay, this can be the way I can do that. But as far as caring what people think, wanting people to love me, uh, uh, all of the things that certain people that certain people want out of because they want to become an artist, that was never my my uh, focus. It was survival. It was for her, for family. You know what I mean? Or, or, and for inspiration. 
all the other stuff, you know, of course, you want to be financially free. I want every amenity that there is to have. If I, if I want to buy a block, I want to be able to do it and will be able to. But when it comes down to it, I didn't do this for people to love me. I did this because I wanted to respect. After, after, as I learned in doing the music, it was the respect of the people that was that were so influential and, and 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 inspirational for just this world period. You know, wanting to floss and ball and have a good time. Of course, that's 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 in there, but that was never the reason why I'm gonna get this money because I want I want people to know who I am. Nah, man. I mean, if now it's like. I have to do that because that's part of the brand. That's part of being successful. Mm-hmm. You got to ex- exude that that alpha male understanding of where I want to go. Because okay, just like Black Sinatra, in this life, you either set the precedent for who you are, or other people do. And my my first album is called Living Legend. In the beginning, it's like, oh man, Living Legend. Why would you? You know, Aretha Franklin's a living legend, okay? And you are correct, an amazing one. So, but you have to set the precedent for yourself. Before Muhammad Ali knocked anybody out, he called himself the greatest. Mm-hmm. He thought he was the best. And then he proved it. So, so when, 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 I, was, when I was blessed to blessed to uh, acquire that name it's like you like you said some people give it flack they're like who you think you are by even associating yourself with that name sinatra are you serious well first if you do the research or if people do the research uh uh sam cook was called the black sinatra because at that time he had the same power as frank and respect and love but of course they couldn't give him the same accolades, so they refer to him as the Black Sinatra. And now, when I uh, took it on as part of who I am, first of all, it's always been who I am. Like it's not a, it's not a, a, a superhero name or I turn into somebody when I when I say that name. It's always been an extension of who I am, and I appreciate you just confirming that. So it it felt right. And I knew it was it was gonna it might cause a little controversy because once again when you hear it it sounds like who who, does, who is calling yourself this yeah it's call yourself Royal King Royal <laughs> 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 what's your name Royal Royal King Royal like oh okay okay big pant wearer <laughs> <laughs> but but now people are starting and, and if they do have. Uh, uh, if they do want to have a conversation or do want to ask why, I love talking about it because at the end of the conversation, you're going to understand if you don't already. See, you you are vibrating on a higher plane, so you understand why. Yeah. In this in this life, especially in this industry, I'm the I'm the best of what I do. There's no better. So I have to make sure I walk it, I talk it, I live it, I breathe it. I am it. You know, hence the name of Black Sinatra. Gotcha. So if you wasn't doing music, if you wasn't doing music, what would you be doing? 
definitely getting money uh, one way or another. <laughs> uh, shoot, man. Well, I used to be a school teacher. I was a school teacher for uh, a number of years. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I love just, just being inspiring to kids. Like I was, I was blessed to uh, grow up in a, in a, in a, with a mother and a father, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And grow up in a, in a black household with a strong black man as a father as well. Like, God rest his soul. You know, my pops was a two-time Vietnam veteran. He was an airborne paratrooper, Marine. And uh, great man, very stern, loving, loved his family, man. And a lot of the people that I grew up around didn't have that. So, like, my family unit was, like, the example for a lot of people, and you know, where I, where I grew up, of what it's what it looks like from the love to the unity to the strength so that's always been instilled in me i mean one it was like as messed up as it seems it's like damn why god chose me why why he chose me to have what most people don't yeah and 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 which which directly affected my self-love because from day one, from, from my first, from, from the time where I can remember reading my birthday cakes, they would say King Omar Wilson on them. It was like, a, it was like royalty. You know what I mean? It was always, and we didn't have a lot of money. It was not like we lived in nowhere lavish, just trying to make it like everybody else. But, but his belief in himself and, and just seeing how he loved his family, it, it transcended everything for me. So I always wanted to give that feeling to everybody I can, especially people that don't have it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, damn, I, I would wonder sometimes, like, you know, I'll wake up, meal cook, you know what I'm saying? Mom send you off to school, hug and thing. Like, like some people don't even get no hug. In the morning, like nothing, only God love you. And my pops wasn't really a, an affectionate person. My mom's was. My pops more just, you know, I mean, he, he like the like like the lion on the Serengeti. He just protected. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it was that that dynamic man that that still makes me who I am today. And I I want to make sure I continue that vibe because the world needs it and people need it. And who knows that just with that one day of feeling that will allow them to get through their whole life. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And, you know, um, how you say you got to inspire the kids. Um, My job. You you know, like right after after high school, um, I graduated in 2009. Right after high school, I became a football coach. I I was, um, because even in school, I was always mentoring uh, the younger kids. That was that was just me. Um, and then uh, doing music. Um, that's actually even though I'm doing gospel music, so it's for a higher power. But I got into the music for to inspire kids. Well, gospel to me is good news. Yes. Like, okay, I was in a rap group. We were called the Lost Souls. You know, what I mean? you probably can find some stuff on us. And even though we did use vulgarities, it was all about the light. It was all uh, it was all about survival. It was all about trying. Our music was all about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. 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 So that that's what it, it, inspiring music in 
in a way that, you know, in art and way, it's like, like art. It was our interpretation. But at the end of the day, it was all about trying to help people feel something other than what they were, what they have been feeling. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, like you said, uh, to to reach people that doesn't have like uh, a very grounded uh, family at home, you know, because like you said, some don't have that experience that what you had, some don't have the experience that I had, but what they get their inspiration from is families like ours. And, you know, um, like I said, with, with my music, I'm I'm doing gospel, but it's like like I said, it's it's more of a transparent gospel, you know. Right. I'm giving you my life stories. Good news, it's good news. That's it's the one. That's why I love pop because it, it was good news, man. You know what I mean? He could he could do Brenda's had a baby, dear mama, but then you know he always had the flip side too. So you're right. It's and 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 you you don't know just how much your story is somebody else's story. Exactly. Exactly, you know. Um, uh, so I, I'm gonna be transparent right now, and oh. this, this, this is probably gonna be the first time I said it on my station. So I'm legally blind. Come on, and you know, at, at first, you know, people was like, You're the voice for the voice when it comes to people with disabilities. At first, what? I didn't really take that. In, like I should have I kind of ran from it because I was like I don't want that title that's not me because I was always that independent person to say I, I really don't have I don't have a disability because right. I, could do, I could do everything else like everybody else can it's yep. I can't drive yep. but I could do everything else like everybody else can you know I, I, I'm not I could barely drive I could barely drive too <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so you know people are like hey that, that's a gift you don't gotta drive you, you gotta worry about the people in traffic i was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um you know at that time i was like i don't want that title so you know i kind of like eh, straight away from that title but i was still doing my music now right. um i took a little break because dj started really picking up right and i started re recording again back in 2020 and um as i matured in life my music matured Mm -hmm. more transparency came out to where you know i was telling people okay now i'm opening up to the people that i do have a disability um you know i'm facing that I have a disability. I'm accepting that I have a disability. And, you know, now I'm telling you the ways I dealt with my disability. That's right. You know, that's why my name is DJ Cyclops because yeah. I, I use my strengths through, through the vision I do have. And that's where, you know, I'm, you know, my music is my passion. So well, that's, man, that, that, that's, what, that, that's the Clark Kent Superman. Exactly. All to show your superpower. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, um, now people's like, I can relate. I've had people, you know, send send me a DM saying I can relate to this song that you just put out, and I'm like, okay, now now I feel like I'm doing what 
I was called to do. Well, you always were. You just had to believe it. Yes. You always were. You always, because it's like, it's like, wait a minute. I could have been. Then you, start, then you start getting into a space like, I could have been doing this the whole time. You psych yourself out. Exactly. Like, like, wait a minute. You don't, you, don't, you don't mind if I say that? Like, no, what? If anything, that's even more inspiring. Then it becomes, it's all in how you approach and how it feels to you to let it go. Like, like you said, for me, it was being flawed on stage, dropping mics and singing sharp and flat and not being able to get notes out correctly. Learn, because I, I learned, I have no train. I train myself. I train by, by making mistakes. That's how I train myself. That's, and like I said, People would turn their back. I'll be, I'll be singing. It'll be a person that comes to the edge of the stage and turn their back and talk to somebody while I'm singing. I'm singing my whole throat out. But then, that, but then, month, month and a half, it'll be that same person that'll turn around and say, "You know what, yo, yo, you that um the guy you did that, that was you that that other record, yeah, oh man." I was... So it's 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 all about. It's all about yourself. Now it goes back to you, man. Yes, yes. It goes back to you, man. And then, and then when you when you really realize, you're like, damn, I'm thinking it's the thing that should make me feel like I'm different. Nah, it makes it's, that's the thing that makes me that empowers me and gives me a superpower. Exactly, exactly. Because you know, people, uh, a lot of people did not know even in fleet. Um, a lot of people didn't know until probably a year I was in fleet because the way I carry myself, the way, you know, like I said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see myself as a disability. Right. You know, I guess I have my obstacles like everybody else does. Right. So, you know, um, it, it's just more so, like you said, that self-love. Once I, once I figured out self-love, I was good. You know, um, you know, it, it, but it took me a while to get there because like, you know, I was, like I said, I was very denial of my disability. I didn't, I, I was like, I ain't nothing wrong with me. I don't, right. okay. But, right. you know, um, but accepting because in 2017, I lost all my vision, all of it. And um, it was luckily they were able to save the little vision that I did have. And that's what kind of humbled me. I was like, okay, you know what? All right. I said what I, how I was um, created. And, you know, um, but, you know, they say God never makes mistakes. So, you know, I was like, okay. Now, like I said, with my music, it's more so, hey, I'm here. I'm letting you know what how I got here, when you know who I am really. And, you know, um, because like, like I said, when I first got into it, it was more so for the kids. So I was like that turn up person. Now right. I'm giving you the rawness of who I am and, the, you know, um, the mature person who I am now. So, yeah. So I, like I said, with you, how you're saying, you know, you got to love yourself first. Um, really, it, it sticks to me more so because, like I said, I didn't have that at first. I, you know, I was just, I was just here. 
Yeah, yeah, man. And and don't get me wrong. Don't feel bad about that either because it's all relevant. You needed to feel like you were just here to know the difference between feeling like you're just here and knowing like, okay, man, I'm I'm here, not I'm just here. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, shout out to my God rest his soul, my dad again. One thing he always said, and I, I can hear him in, in my head now. He's like, man, I don't care who don't like me. You know why? Because I love me. Mm. I love me. Like, And, and it's crazy because his name, John Lovin is his name, but they called him Johnny Lovin. Mm. And that, that's actually my brother's middle name now, too. Johnny <laughs> Wilson is his name. And everybody called him Lovin. And that, that was his superpower. And my and my pops wasn't even a big dude. He like five, five nine. You would think he was six ten. The way he was respected, the way people loved him, the way, because of how he loved himself, man. That you you dictate how people love you. That's it. Gotcha. You love your love yourself. Well. Mr. Wilson, yes. Like I said, it's it, it's been a pleasure sitting down with you and talking to you. Um, I like I said, some of the stuff that you, I'm, I'm not even gonna say some of. I'm gonna say all of the stuff that you said today stuck with me because from the music side to the life side, it stuck with me and it's gonna stick with me. And you know, um, I appreciate you. Like I said, I know you could have been doing anything else. I know it's a technically a holiday weekend so you can be doing anything else but uh, I appreciate you sitting down with me and just letting your story get heard well this this is this is what just set my holiday weekend on the path which it needs to be on which is still which is on right now and that's redemption success and connecting with individuals like yourself that finally are on the vibration now and for a long time, I've been in the wilderness like, hell, man, why? The adversity is almost too crazy. Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. People don't even know me. They mad. What they mad for? I even... But you know what? It's part of the process of self-love. Because mm-hmm. this game, people, life, it will try to trick you out of believing in yourself. It, it uh, they told him like yo, you arrogant or who you think you are? What do you mean who I think I am? I think I'm royalty. Who do you think I'm not? Is the question. Mm-hmm. And and who are you to determine who I think? Who listen to that comment? Who do you think you are? Well, that's not even none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> But since you asked, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man, yes. How you going to ask me how, who, who do I think I am? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Hey. So, who's, so who's crazy? The person that answers that question or the person that laughs at it? Mm. You know exactly who I am. That's why you're asking me. Exactly. 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 And you know, um that to that, you know, 
my answer would be like, hey, I'm going to keep in my own mind. I don't care about what you think. I don't care about what you think. It don't matter. That's what, that's what, that's what it don't matter. You dictate it. Mm-hmm. And then propel it out there to the world. And you're already doing it right now. That's why this conversation is being had. That's why you're going to have even more conversations where you enlighten more people. The more you show your flaws, the more you get your superpowers. That's the way it works. That's what's wrong with a lot of people that are so that are stars and so-called stars. They don't want to show their flaws, not knowing that's part of what makes them great. Clark Kent, Superman. Mm-hmm. All he showed greatness. See, I, I feel like part of who I'm, I put, I've been put here to be and why my journey has been the way it's been, it's to show so-called regular people, the way they classify everyday people, that they are stars. You can do whatever you want if you believe enough and you work hard at it and you stay diligent. And to show stars, when I look them in the face and they got, and I remind them that they are still Clark Kent too. And I think the look in my eye, it reminds them of when they were, where they were on the totem pole of the success ladder. So it's, 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 it's great. It's great to be the black Sinatra Omar Wilson. I can't wait to continue doing what I have done. Shake up this game of R&B and soul music and do things that they deemed impossible and could never happen. Please, please get my new album, Omar Wilson Sings the Classics, because it is going to be amazing for me to present it to the world and amazing for the world to receive it and me get the energy back from it. I can't wait. All right, all right. And how can they follow you on social media? Oh, um, on Instagram, it's uh, Omar Wilson uh, one, like the number one. Uh, Twitter is just Omar Wilson. Twitter and Facebook. Um, I, I need to start that TikTok thing. I keep being pressed to TikTok it out. So I probably y'all probably see me on TikTok in a minute. I'll, I'll announce it on my gram so y'all know what that is. Uh, I also have a website, owilson.com, O-W-I-L-S-O-N.com. Uh, also, you can Google my name, Omar Wilson. A number of amazing things will pop up. Interviews like this one right here. And um, I just look forward to performing all over the world this spring and summer. Really uh, solidifying my relationship with the people. Letting them know that they have a new superpower in this music industry that's going to give them what they've been missing. And look forward to this album. This critically acclaimed album. Winning Grammys Awards and really putting R&B and soul music back on the pedestal it deserves to be on. All right. Well, y'all heard it here. You know, we we have I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say a legend in the game. And, <laughs> and you know, um, it's not Charlie Wilson. It's Omar Wilson. So hey, don't be <laughs> Don't be fooled now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll be on the road sooner than you think. Trust and believe it. <laughs> so, like I said, I'm DJ Cyclops, and this has been another edition of After the Music Stops, where we bring the behind the music stories of your favorite independent and mainstream artists. Until next time, you never know who I'm going to sit down with. So until next time, peace and be blessed.
i stedet af 